It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome into episode 140 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast alongside Craig Morgan. How you doing? And Jamie, Craig already disappointing me, we're eight seconds into the show. And Jamie Eisner. The Natty Hattie. Oh, better. Filling in. All right, I'm Luke Lipinski, here we go. Let's talk Nashville Predators hockey. Here we go. We have a, we have a fast-moving show today because for some reason. Because Luke was late. That's not why, though. We usually usually the system is I'm like a couple minutes late. I was one minute late today, and then we drag on for like an extra hour longer than we should have. I need to take a moment to uh, note something that happened to me this morning. I oh, pulled boy. into the Starbucks line at the same time. Just said we don't have time. Jeep Cherokee coming from another direction. I had the right away, but I waved him in. When I reached the window, the barista said, "The guy in front of you paid for your coffee. You're good." What? Obviously that. a listener to the show. So, dude in the gray Jeep Cherokee at uh, Peoria. And what are we at, Peoria? And 20-something? Yeah, Peoria in the 70s. Jamie doesn't know. He's yeah. only here every well, day. Thanks. There's no real road right there. I guess it's 35th Avenue. We're basically in a field. Thanks for the free coffee. Was ours free, too, or he just got yours all, free? The oh. entire order. And I had a sandwich, too. It was like 20 bucks. Yeah, once Craig found out it was free, he ordered like yeah. nine things. <laughs> Can you add? Can you just get one of everything in your display? Do you guys have stock options available? Venti? That was a pretty cool thing. And that and the lack of traffic this morning made for a good start. Craig Morgan is happy. Yeah, St. Patrick's Day started. Well, until I got to the office. Well, you know. St. Patrick's Day started early for everybody, apparently, except us. Yeah. Apparently. Uh, You had another theory, didn't you? I did? Oh, everybody just got in front of me because I had traffic this morning. (laughs) I thought it was National 13 Seed Beats Arizona Day. Oh, no, no, no. National 13 Seed Blows Out Arizona Day. Maybe that's why everybody is either celebrating if you're an ASU fan or just non-existent if you're a U of A fan. Got it. I do want to open. We've got a few listener questions. You can always tweet into the show at the Natty Hattie. We're not going to get to all of them today, but uh, Trond tweets in, where's the pod? It's a fair question, Trond. Trond. Here it is. The pod is here. That's right. You did have to wait longer than usual because I thought about it. We actually... Yeah, uh, I, mean, I think we recorded, what, Monday or Tuesday last week? Yeah. So it was like a 10 or 11 day gap. Yes. But it's here now, and yeah. uh, the quality so far, I would say, has been subpar. Yeah. Ready? Well, hey, you, know, at least you don't have to pick at your skin anymore. You know, you get your fix of the Natty Hattie today. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> just, just imagining... Just me. as I took a sip of coffee. <laughs> Sitting in the, okay. in the corner. Sip of free coffee. Yes, it is free coffee, yeah. so... So it doesn't really matter why how you're saying today is a disappointment, Luke. Of course, you drink free coffee every day, don't you, Luke? Yeah, I don't really notice Most the difference. Days, anyway. <laughs> I drink free coffee 80% of the time. Uh, I like to think I earned that coffee. Let's start with the National Predators, who are 12 0 and 1. 80%, by the way. Yeah. I'm questioning 80%, that. 80%, yeah. And, well, uh, if. if uh, Again, none of us are math. Are we talking makers. about in your overall life or. Yes, let's, just, with this let's go with that. Specifically. Let's, let's okay. do that. Okay. Okay. Sometimes Paige Democos buys some coffee. That has never once happened. Ever. Oh. Ever. She buys me coffee sometimes. We know where well, she's arriving. We should bring her She's in paid here. for his coffee as many times as she has paid him compliments. Yeah. Actually, she probably has got me coffee at least once. So maybe that's uh, maybe more. Uh, she's been nice to you once. Yeah, once. I in doubt she remembers it or would acknowledge that moment. No, she would never acknowledge no. it. Nashville, Nashville for the fourth time. 12-0-1 this season. 102 points. They, uh... Wow. We just saw them here last night, but that's not the reason we're starting uh, with them. We're starting with them because they have the best record in hockey, but we did just see them in person. Um, and they didn't look great last night, but they... They won. They won, and they certainly didn't look bad. That wasn't their best, but the, even not their best is still pretty good. They're just... What stands out to me seeing them in person, and I don't think this is like breaking news because we've all talked about this, but they're just so deep. They just don't have any weaknesses. Nope. Nope, and, and, and uh, the thing that I think is very interesting and something Craig pointed out in his article, some, for whatever reason it slipped my mind, that entire run last year after the first round 
was without Ryan Johansson. Mm-hmm. So we still haven't seen, as good as they were in the postseason, them full strength. Yeah. And now they have Johansson and they have Kyle Turris. Yeah. They have some depth on the middle now that they did not have last year. This is a better team than the team that went to the Cup last year. Kyle Turris is not the same player he was when he was with the Phoenix Coyotes, which... When did Phoenix, by the way, when, when did that name change? Because 14, the officials 15. still well, call so them Phoenix last If you Phoenix ask the officials, it hasn't. Still, last night, they were calling them the Phoenix Coyotes. I know. That, that Phoenix, was, that's the first time in a long time, but we were all surprised. Um, but either way, when, when Kyle Turris was on them, they were the Phoenix Coyotes. He's not the same player he was then. And I would, I would say he's a better player now than he was in Ottawa two years ago. He I just agree. seems to fit in yeah. Nashville. Mm-hmm. This team... He's not asked to be a number one center, which I think is, is he, important. You, you, can, you can nitpick. You can find flaws if you want to with this team. You can do that with any team because of the salary cap. But they're so good up the middle. They have the best blue line in hockey. Pekarine, or as they say in Finland, Pekarina, is having a Vezina caliber season. Sorry. You didn't like that at all, did you? No, I was thinking about... Do you want the Redeem Verbata from Yeah, I said you Redeem Verbata or Sebastian. You should have him for all all, uh, European names. He's having a fantastic season as well. It helps that he's playing behind the team he's playing behind, but he was sharp last night too. Uh, When I look at this team now, the the way they're going, the the momentum they have heading into the playoffs, how tight they are defensively. They've allowed two goals or fewer. I think can't even remember what the streak is. I wrote it down. But... uh, they're just, they're just flawless right now. The way I look at them is as much as you can be flawless in, in a salary cap era. Yeah, and barring major injury troubles, I, I, it's tough to see anybody but them coming out of the West. I know I've made jokes about you know, I, you know, Winnipeg for a lot of reasons, some of them financial. Just a side um, note: Did Winnipeg score five goals in Chicago in the first period last night? Did I imagine that? Uh, I know they won well, six to bring two. That up. I already know the answer. You don't okay. have to look it up. Two goals or fewer in ten games during this streak. Nashville's allowed. By the way, there's their. They're so good. They would play Dallas if the season ended right now. Yeah, Does don't, that don't series s- don't etch that in stone with the with the looks of the wild card and no, the Pacific no. races right now? But a series between Nashville and Dallas does that even go four games? Mm-hmm. I could see that being a sweep. Yeah, I'm saying the only team that I think could even give them a little trouble that they could realistically face would, if for whatever reason, like L.A. or Anaheim might annoy them. Yeah, no, I mean that's. <laughs> Might bother them slightly. Might inconvenience the Predators on the way to the second round. I'd be upset as a Nashville fan if my team was winning like this, and then they went out and made the moves they made to get even better, and then had to play Anaheim in the first round. That would be that would seem a little unfair. And Anaheim's one point out of a playoff spot, so that's entirely possible. Hmm. I just I, you you would like to have an easier draw than that because when you are talking about winning the cup, as Nashville yeah. is. All these series build upon each other. So if you can get a sweep in there, that would really help. Well, yeah, because if they play Colorado or Dallas, they win in three. So I'm, I'm not quite as worried. It's, it's interesting that, you know, a lot of times teams that, that are in this situation, maybe they'll rest players, maybe they'll do some things to make sure that they're fresh. But their coach, Peter Laviolette, said yesterday that everything we talk about is to try and improve our position for the playoffs and home ice advantage. That's, they really care about this. They mm-hmm. want to be... I think they want to be the number one overall seed in the NHL. They're the only real threat they have is Tampa Bay right now. Yeah. Are they better now than they were last year? Yes. Thanks yeah. for listening, Luke. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm. I'm just. I'm, I want this to be a discussion. And how this dare you? Directed at Craig. Makes you feel like, like I'm, I'm not important. Yes. This is a better I did team. Direct. Healthy Ryan Johansson adding Kyle Turris. Yes. yes. They're a better they're, team. Look at their center position. I, Which was the thing between, we, we worried about when last year going in the postseason. Yes. Do, are they deep enough down the middle as the same? It's, and, and again, and they did. they're. Credit their GM for being able to make these kinds of moves. Look, yes. you, you can look at this roster and say they don't have a franchise center. They probably don't, right? No. But they're so good. You can, This is the other way of doing it. You, you can construct, first of all, you construct an elite blue line, which they've yes. done. They have a franchise the cornerstone blue line. On, yes. on the blue line. P.K. Yes. Subban was on the third pairing last night, at yep. least on paper. That's just absurd. But they're yeah. just spreading it out. Yeah. It's, yeah, they have so right. many good defensemen, and yeah. it yeah. doesn't matter. And no, then you yeah, just make sure you're good him. up yeah. the middle, and they are good yes. up the middle, and they are deep. They have four centers who can play. And this is a team that lost James Neal for nothing. Yeah. Jamie, would you say this team is better than last year's Nashville? Oh, I, 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 w- I would, Luke. <laughs> I would say this is better than last year's Nashville. I just, it, it is remarkable because everybody talked last year about how it was a big deal that Pittsburgh won back-to-back Stanley Cups. Nobody wins back-to-back Cups since the late 90s. Nobody gets to back-to-back Cups, though, either just in general, yeah. and Nashville has has done this the exact right way. I mean, to have a team that got to Game 6 last year and to somehow improve them, at least on paper, I mean, you can't predict injuries in the playoffs or whatever, but they've done everything they can to set themselves up. And I don't even think this is a case of, 
you know, peaking a little too early because it's early March and they're playing their best hockey, they can carry this into April and May and June at this point. It's not like it's November. And, and we've seen them do it. You know, this is yeah. not like the this is not a team that's going into the postseason with we have no idea how they're going to react when there's a lot of pressure on them. They've all they all have postseason experience. Yeah, and because, all been there because of their depth. They have the luxury of not playing guys heavy minutes. Too. Yes. now they can they can roll four lines. They can give that fourth line a lot of ice time. They can give their their third pairing a lot of ice time. So I'm not sure what you'd really change. I, I don't know how focused they should be on the number one overall seed, but. The Western Conference, they're, they're going to lock that up pretty soon, I would guess, and maybe then you, you make some decisions that might help the health and freshness of your team as you head into the playoffs. In Vegas, I mean, you want to talk about, I don't want to segue here with peaking too soon because they're not playing badly, but they're kind of evening out a little bit of they're late. They're fading a little. Yeah, look a little vulnerable. But, you know, it, it was going to happen. Well, this is not the time for it to happen. No. See, but the thing but, is, in that division, still... But they might be able to get out of see, it. See, that's the, the problem. Just not They're good. still the best team in that division. I still oh, yeah, think Anaheim could, Anaheim could cause some problems. But also, Anaheim's got to get it together, too. Like, we're running out of time. Yeah, Anaheim has 11 games left, and they're not in the playoffs right yeah, now. I know. That, that's the team that I'm like, I think if they get in, they're going to be good. But there's a cutoff point where it's not going to matter. I'm just looking at the Pacific Division, everybody's last 10 games, 5-4-1, 5-4-1, 5-4. Like, they're all, it's just so, such a 500 division, isn't it? Like, mm-hmm. everybody. There are a lot of very okay teams. The Kings that, have gone on a division. crazy run to go 6-3-1 and one in their last 10, Ooh. and Vancouver is squarely locked in on the that. The problem with LA there. is they still have no depth. Like that, that, the, the top of that team can compete with anybody, but you have to play more than six players. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to score enough goals. And this isn't 2012 where you can win all your games. Well, and their blue line is not in the same stratosphere as it was in 2012. No. Who's better, that that blue line or Nashville's blue line? Nashville. Now? Yeah, I would agree with that. LA's played better structurally, but Nashville has more talent. Nashville's Nashville has blue three line dowdies. Is absurd. Three dowdies. That sounds <laughs> like, like a Canadian I mean, I think, band. I mean, I mean, with all due respect to, like, the Rob Skidaris of the world and, the, and, <laughs> well, and no respect to the Slava Voinovs of the world, the players on Nashville are better. The yeah, Rob Scuderi's of the world. Holmes, a nice number four. Yes. Yeah. That's a terrific team. Let's talk about uh, Alex Ovechkin hitting 600 goals and where this ranks him in your guys' mind in terms of all-time goal scorers. Not just numbers-wise. I understand where he is numbers-wise. But it was brought up a lot on ESPN and I'm sure somewhere else what he would have to do to catch Wayne Gretzky in career goals. What Gretzky has 894, I believe. <laughs> Yeah, um, it, it would you, the, the longevity. It's not impossible, but very unlikely. He basically needs like twenty nine goals a year for basically 10 needs more to be, years. Yeah, he needs yeah. to be. I don't see that happening. Eighty percent of himself Gretzky, for Gretzky's ten years. Records are absurd, but could, could he catch Gordy Howe? Could he yeah. catch Yager? Probably. Well, I want to go back to Gretzky though I for mean, a second because, right. like you said, Gretzky's records are absurd. So I never even expect to hear his name brought up when somebody's chasing down milestones. And I don't think Ovechkin's going to get that many goals because of the era. Mm-hmm. But I never saw Gretzky in his prime. I've seen the the footage of those games when the goalies refused to drop down or wear equipment or really do a whole lot. Not to take away from what Gretzky did, but where does I know that sounded that sounded bad. Wow, damning with faint praise. But goalies took the wait. You want me to move to make a save? But approach is, that's accurate, isn't it? In in for when the you most watch part, many of the clips, it, it feels that way. Yeah, yes. like you just feels if like you kick diff- one leg out. That's not. It really feels like a different game. Talks about that all the time. How there was an error in the NHL where, where a wing could come down the wing and just blast something and score. It just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, no. it's a different game. Yeah, it really. It, I mean, it is. So, what would Ovechkin have scored if he played in the late seventies and eighties? All of the goals. Fair. I think he'd have more than 894. It, or he, this, I think his 600 probably, now is about even. It's it's tough to compare eras. It really is. Yeah. Because I mean, That's why I'm just, asking you to do it. But even just like physically, like the the athletes now and how they train, and how they perform, just it's not. Yeah, they would um, a, a mid level player would be dominant. Uh, yeah. No. And I, I hear what you're saying. Like a, an average player now that trains year round would. I, I get that. I mean, you had you know, stories of. Players wrapping up a game in 1983 and smoking cigarettes in the locker room or whatever. So I, I get this different eras, but specifically a guy like Ovechkin, who we're looking at as a historically great goal scorer. I just wonder, not so much what he would have done, I guess, in that in in the 80s. Maybe that's not a good way to put it, but just how does that convert compared to a guy like Gretzky? Gretzky's ten times the player Ovi will ever be. Gretzky's got 1,900 plus assists. I'm not I'm not comparing them on that but level, but just on a pure goal just scoring, pure team. goal scoring, yeah. See stuff because um, I'm the youngest one in the room. Okay. 
So for me, I didn't, again, I, I saw the very, very tail end of, of Gretzky. To me, the best goal scorer that I have seen is Ovechkin. Like, since I have been watching, and I've been watching pretty religiously since, pretty much since he was drafted. So basically after that full season, I forgot what name, what name it was, the Beth lockout or the Dan lockout. Yeah, we need to rename the I can't remember which lockouts. one that was, the 04 or 05, but I've been watching pretty religiously since then. And he is the best goal scorer that I have ever seen since I have been play, paying close attention to the league. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I don't know. I go back to the earlier thing you said, Jamie, in, in comparing eras. There, there was a point in the '80s where the game just opened up, and, and it really was the Oilers that that did that. Yeah. But I don't. I don't know how to make a comparison. There are just too many variables for me. Gretz, Gretzky amazed me in that he. There were a couple seasons where he set goals, specific goals yeah. for statistics, where I'm going to average two assists this season, and he did it. I want to score a goal per game, and he exceeded it. Yeah. So he was, I, I don't know where to put him, and he, he was a freak. And you can but only, in terms of pure goal yeah. scorers, Ovechkin's certainly there. So the other He's top guy five, that I, right? The other guy that I got to watch that I thought was a, a, an incredible pure goal scorer was Mike Bossy from the Islanders' great teams in the early 80s. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just, it's, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It, it feels like Ovechkin almost gets lost in the conversation right now because the focus is either on... Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid and, and the next era of players or it's on the Penguins because they just won the Cup or the Blackhawks because they were winning Cups before that and Ovechkin hasn't won a Cup and it almost feels like he just sort of gets taken for granted what he's done. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that on the last show about how underrated I think he is. But kind of like talking about the comparing eras thing, you can also only, there are two factors. One, the teammates around you mm-hmm. aren't as good as they are now in terms of, you talk about the, the advantages that athletes have now. And two, you can only play the team that's put in front of you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's one of those things where we can't always, you can't look at it and say, well, they didn't, you know, uh, the goalies played this. You can only play the teams that were put in front of you. Yeah. It, there's a lot of people that talk about how, how much Nicholas Backstrom has helped Ovi by getting him the puck in that area. But let's be honest. When we, when we rank the great centers of all time, <laughs> yeah, Nicholas I mean, Backstrom's, Backstrom's not on that list. He's a, a very he's a good, good player. player yeah. But I... So where do you think Ovi at, what is he, 32 now? Yeah. yeah, where do you think he ends up? Let's let's say he plays until he's he's forty. Maybe oh. he has eight more seasons, and can he keep averaging? At some point, he's going to tail off, right? Yeah, the it thing might, about it him might is, happen rapidly, and there might be another lockout. He he yeah, plays <laughs> he plays such a uh, not like I don't want to say reckless, but just such an aggressive physical style of mm-hmm. game that I mean he's built like a tank, but. You wonder at some point if he's going to get hurt and miss. He doesn't shy games. away from contact. No, but, not at all. But he has been incredibly durable. Incredibly durable. I don't know. So you're are you asking where he finishes in terms so, of just so total would goals? You, would you say if, if he played eight more seasons, do you think 25 goals a season is a good average? Is that too high as we get to the tail end of it? I think that's No, it, that's no I fair. think it's about right because you're still going to be... He might put 40 up 40 next, next year. Yeah. Okay, so that's thirties and that's two hundred more goals, and that puts him right around Gordy Howe. He might be able to finish second. second. Gordy Howe is eight oh one, so maybe that might be Ovi's goal. Yeah, can Let he pass can, can he get, get to past eight hundred? It's kind of like in football where if you're a receiver, you're just trying to get to second place all time because yeah. Jerry Rice's numbers right. are so absurd. Fitz, yes. Fitz has basically said that. Yeah. Well, but you can't play another thirty years, yeah. so you just have to kind of <laughs> do what you you can at this point. Uh, let's talk about some of the bad teams, and that really just means Vancouver. <laughs> so we watched the Coyotes shut out Vancouver the other night, and then we watched them play L.A., who had just shut out Vancouver the night before, and then Vancouver went out and got shut out by somebody else after that. They got you out of Anaheim. Um, are they still playing? Uh, I, I can't tell who is trying more, the Canucks or the Memphis Grizzlies right now. <laughs> Which team is trying more? Well, Memphis has dropped like 20 in a row, haven't they? Yeah, I think they? they lost their 19th in a row last night. In fairness to the Canucks, I, I was talking to uh, Ben Kuzma, one of the writers that covers them, and he said it, it felt like when Brock Besser went out of the lineup, all the air went out of that team. There was just, there was no hope of, of doing anything when he went out of the lineup, which that can't happen with professional athletes, yeah. of course. And you no. still have the Sedins <laughs> there who should be you know doing what they were kept to do, be leaders. And this team's been shut out three straight games. It's crazy, but you, you understand it maybe in a short term, Wow, we just lost our best player easily. We were, we were trying to build something for next season. Now we, yeah. we really can't even work on that. What is it we're trying to accomplish right now? Of, of the teams that are at the bottom of the standings right now, they are the worst. I, I, I put 
odds on them finishing dead last in oh, the NHL. They have, I'm not sure done. they're going to score again. And, and <laughs> Jamie references that draft of six teams we did at the start of the year and yes. how he took Buffalo with his first pick of a team Buffalo, that definitely still, won't make the playoffs. I still think Buffalo is the worst team in I've, hockey right now. Vancouver was far and away my best pick. And I'm the biggest uh, Brock Besser fan in the world, but you lose him out of your lineup, did Vancouver all of a sudden realize we're not going to win the Cup because we don't have Besser? Like, what really changed? You're not going to score as much, but that shouldn't mean you never score another goal. No, that's. I mean, it's an extreme. Granted, there's more attention probably being paid to the Sedins now because there's nobody else to worry about on yeah. that team other than, you know, Bo Horvat. But, yeah, they, they need to pick it up. Maybe they will at some point. To Jamie's point, Buffalo does have success and experience and know-how when it comes to tanking. So they, they may be able to yeah. hold on to that top spot because they, they did a very good job of it the last time around. You would think after uh, the way things have worked out the last couple of years for them, though, that maybe it wouldn't be a priority at this point. I mean, they even got – I guess they didn't get the guy Edmonton. they wanted. I think Edmonton's trying. They're just spinning in circles a lot. So Buffalo currently has the worst record. The Coyotes actually technically still have the second-worst record. They're light years ahead of these other teams at this point. Like, they've Ottawa, actually gotten Vancouver, better. Yeah. yeah. Coyotes would probably finish ahead of both of those teams when it's all said and done. Uh, I would, I would Run definitely. out of time, obviously. No, they'll, yeah, but they're winning most nights, and those other yeah. teams aren't even scoring goals anymore. Brings us to a question. Okay. Um, which I can't find, so somebody else talk for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I can't find who sent in the question, but here, here we go. It's from Robert. At uh, Nelson Yotes on Twitter. Say the Coyotes miraculously win the lottery, so you've already lost me. Okay. Phoenix Sports Franchise winning, the, winning a draft lottery? Yeah. Okay. But let's just go into fantasy right. world here for a second. With the more dire need for center forwards in the Coyote system than defensemen, should they move the Dolan pick to get the number one center they need, or is he too good a prospect to pass up and you solve the need another way? You always get the number one center you need. You just need a, somebody to give you a number one center, which yeah. is going to be the problem. Who is the number one center exactly? Yes. If the, if, 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 you can, if you can do a sign-and-trade... For John Tavares, and it involves Rasmus Dahlin, you do it. But the Islanders aren't going to do that. Okay. But now let me add well, on to Robert's question. Tavares would have to agree to that, yes. right? If you've read Pierre Lebrun's piece on the potential of a sign-and-trade, the, the idea is that if Tavares, if, if the Islanders sign him, he can get the eighth year. And if that's important to him, you know, he, he can get some extra security. And he could also help out a team that he's going to, a contender by having a lower salary that year, which takes the entire cap number down. But John Tavares wants to go to a contender. He's not coming to the Coyotes. Sorry to break your heart, Coyotes fans, but that's not happening. Stop dreaming about it. He's not going to be here. Okay, so let's take this one step further. Let me let me piggyback on, on Robert. And I'm going to – how dare you burst my bubble of okay. having John Tavares in the desert. You, you can't have well, nice things. I mean, you could go to Vegas. So, Give me another number one center that, that's out there that's out. that you feel like you could trade for. Uh, well, I want to know what's going to happen with Tyler Sagan long term because I, I believe yeah. he's going into a contract year next year, isn't he? Drysidle. Okay. Yeah, Leon Drysidle. Let's use Drysidle because it's Edmonton. Is he a number one center? I don't know. He's closer than maybe, anything that maybe Arizona we, has right now. Maybe yes, we shouldn't use a specific And maybe name. Uh, probably the most potentially available. So yeah, let's crazy. say Drysidle. I don't know if. I don't rule anything out with Shirelli. Uh, yeah, it's, it's tough to have a to use Shirelli as an example. But let's say a number one center that you're very comfortable with is available, okay? We won't call him John Tavares. We won't necessarily call him Dreisaitl. Rasmus Dahlin's probably not going to get that person by himself, right? No. Mm -hmm. This is where I would piggyback on. Craig and I talked about this a little bit the other night in the uh, press box. I would trade Dahlin and probably any forward the Coyotes have if it got me a number one, a true a number true one number center. One. Not like, a, oh, this guy could evolve but into do, one. Does, do you throw Dreisaitl in that mix? He's that right on the fringe. That's the thing. That's why I don't want to use him as an example. You might have to take a chance on somebody like that. But I, but I would do it. To get a number one center, that's that's what this team is missing at this point. I can replace any forward. They've yes, already got your the defense. Wing. Yes. yes. On the wing. You can, yeah, I mean. I know people flip out at the idea that the Coyotes could package Clayton Keller, but if you can get a true number one center. For John yes. Tavares? Oh, for John Tavares. Let me think about it for hard, less well, yeah, than one like second. Yeah. Um, what does it take? What is the package? And you don't know that, Dol like, Dolan's supposed to be good, but that's not even... You don't need defense necessarily. You're already it set. It also doesn't matter. But, it doesn't but, matter how good your running back is. If you can get a you can get a franchise quarterback, you get the franchise quarterback. Well, but I'm just speaking to the, the fans that Craig is saying are freaking out right now. In Dolan, you're trading away something that you don't have yet. So at that point, are you essentially just trading a wing that can be replaced through free agency for a true number one center? If you pull that off, you're in the playoffs in next year. 
in, in the playoffs. Guaranteed. I will guarantee it on but this I just, show. I just don't, I don't anticipate that situation happening. No, I don't either. But it's, I mean, it was a question. It was an interesting one because as much as we've talked about where the Coyotes are going to pick in this draft and how they, you take Dolan if you have the number one pick and you just have one of the best defenses in hockey, but they don't need it. I really hadn't heard that question posed before of could you swing him yeah. and get a number one center. Tyler Sagan is, in fact, going into a contract here next year at a cap hit right now of 5.75. I'm assuming he's going to want a significant increase over that. Yeah, that's going up. Uh, yeah, they'll be paying him more than they are currently paying him. And I don't know why Dallas would let him go necessarily. Not he's 26 years old. Yeah. And Unless Peter Chiarelli becomes Dallas's GM, too. What if he was just the GM of half the teams in the league? Uh, let's see. Other topics here. By the way, with Sagan being 26 and Ben being 28, they feel like they've been in the league forever. Yeah, and it, <laughs> Dallas has done nothing with them thus far. Yeah, it's amazing that right? Dallas is so mediocre. They, they have two of the TikTok. 25 best players. TikTok. Yeah. They've done nothing. Um, other it's, questions? It's Edmontonian. <laughs> Edmontonian. <laughs> Sounds like a historical like period in time. Would the uh, Stepan Ranta trade still have happened if the Coyotes won the first overall pick last year? Now, I don't, I don't have who sent this question in. Craig pulled it and put it in the uh, rundown, but I'll take a look. Here, here's what I would say to that. Uh, are you looking it up? Actually, did you want, did you want to include the listener first? Yeah, I'll, I'll look it up while you talk. If they had uh, read it again. Well, how you, how you phrased it was, would the Stepan Ranta trade still have happened if the Coyotes won the first overall pick last year? I have to assume it probably wouldn't have. Because they, they moved the seventh pick, not the first pick. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they knew what pick they had, obviously, yeah. when they traded it. Maybe in some to some lesser degree, they still needed a number one goalie, right? Yes. So they, they might have just gone after Gone after, Ronta. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they could have found another. They could have traded their other first-round pick just for Ronta or something. I, I mean, it would have yeah. looked different, but I don't... That's what I would say to that. I don't think you trade the number one no. overall pick even though we just had a discussion about trading the number one overall pick. But it's it's a little bit different when you're talking about a franchise center as opposed to Derek Stepan's been outstanding. Right. Um, but you could have, yeah, you could have drafted. Yeah, you could have drafted a center. So I mean, yeah, they could have drafted Heischer or Patrick, yeah. yeah so exactly. I, don't, I don't think they so would have. Uh, well, maybe Heischer. Who's having a pretty good season, by the way. Yeah, he is. What would realignment look like? That's another question. Boy, that was another it's it's really interesting to look at it. You know, I've I've heard a lot of talk, and and maybe you, maybe you guys saw the ESPN piece where they suggested that the Coyotes could end up in some crazy centralish division yeah. with awful travel, and I think there's some traction. There's there's with a the league. shock. Wait, the the, right. the team with no prestige is going to get the raw end of the deal. Can't believe that's going to happen. As they get better, they'll have to travel even more. So listen to the teams they throw in this division: Colorado, Dallas. Okay. St. Louis, Chicago, Detroit, Minnesota, Winnipeg. That's just ungodly travel. So at, at points Detroit, in the season, the you could be playing a division wow. rival who is three time zones away when you're playing Detroit. Well, okay, hold on. Let me just the Pacific let me jump in on that. That is the central division as it's currently destruct, or constructed, destructed, destructed. Ex- except uh, Detroit instead of Minnesota. And Detroit fought so long to not be in the West yeah. that that's not happening. So just... Basically, what you're saying is add the Coyotes to the Central Division. Yeah, it's crazy. It's or, crazy. Yeah, they would have to do that, or they would have to put both Alberta teams in the Central, and then, I mean, it would be strange. I guess you could move Colorado to the West. Colorado, and then Seattle to the Pacific, and then both Alberta teams to the Central. So I've like, been thinking about this, and I'll probably throw this yeah. in my Sunday column. I've been thinking about a six-division format, which I think would, would help the league better, or even an eight-division format, going more to like an NFL NFL style. Anything that changes yeah. the current playoff format. So here's my... Yes. I, I, won't, I won't read this all because <laughs> it's, it's too much, but let me give you the eight-division format, which is my favorite because it's balanced, right? 32 does not divide by six. No. You have to have two teams. No matter how much you try. Three. Yep. So... <laughs> Well, it depends. Do you count Buffalo as a full team? You have one team that is a rover. Yeah. Change divisions each quarter of the season. They should make like the worst team in the league. That's your punishment. Is you have to just, they have to put you in a, you get a random division. Or you just get relegated <laughs> to yeah, the there NHL. There we go. Buffalo's in the Pacific next year. So here's Come my eight-division format, which is balanced. Four teams in each. Division winners qualify for the playoffs, and then you just take the four next best records from the conference. I already like this more than yeah. the okay. current system. So here's my Top Northwest division. You can change the names, too, if you think my names are awful. Can we, their, their names. If you don't like directionals. Can we name them after famous like NHL players from these regions of the country? 
<laughs> we could try. All right. Okay, here's my Northwest Division. Seattle, Vancouver, Edmonton, and Calgary. Okay. Yeah. That works geographically. The Pacific Division, San Jose, L.A., Anaheim, Arizona. Okay. 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 My West Division, because I don't know what to call it other than this. And this one gets a little dicey with geography, <laughs> but not too bad. I love the creative name. It, I could call it the... Sorry to the folks who live there. I could call it the flyover division, or the flyover states, some of them, but we'll they're see. not really actually. So, so I've You're got not calling it Quebec, this, LOL. this division's a little creative. I got Vegas and Colorado, geographically works. Dallas, even that works. And then I'm throwing St. Louis in because they're in the next far, farthest yeah. west. That's fine. They are the gateway to the west, actually. Yeah, call it the gateway div- division. Yeah. And I have the Great Lakes division: Chicago, Detroit, Minnesota, and Winnipeg. Okay. So this is all in the Western Conference? This, that's your Western Conference yeah. right there. That's completed. And it works pretty well ge- geographically. So wait, before you get to the East, did you move anybody out of the West as it's currently set up? I don't I think... I moved you, Detroit or, into the West. Yeah, Detroit moved into the West. So who did you move out? Minnesota? Yes. Okay. Now for the Eastern Conference. And no, because you, no, you had Minnesota in the... So did you move no, I didn't have Minnesota. No, no, no. She didn't. No. So it was the same... It was what? Where we have oh, it was all of the... And then yeah, Seattle, yeah, 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 yeah. Seattle and Detroit Seattle. were added. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's right. Okay. Now the Eastern Conference. I'm calling this the Canadian Division. That math doesn't work, but go ahead. What doesn't work? It, just go ahead, because I'll figure it out when oh, you keep Nashville, reading the team. Nashville, Nashville, Nashville okay. Yeah, yeah, Only Nashville the best team in the league. Let's forget about that. Yeah, wait, wait till you hear their division. Tennessee is no longer in the wait West. Wait till you hear Nashville's Weird. division. It's just that. Yeah, exactly, because they don't belong there in the first place. Because <laughs> it's in Tennessee. It's dumb. <laughs> Eastern Conference, Canadian Division. They were in the Western Conference when we were still founding this country, and, <laughs> and Lewis and Clark were building the divisions. That's, that's right. There was a time when they were West. <laughs> the Canadian division is Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, and Buffalo, because, you know, yeah, basically, yeah. you're basically a Canadian city. They're roving anyway, so yeah. you're on the border. Yeah, close enough. Good enough. The Southeast division, Carolina, Florida, Tampa, and Nashville in the same division, Oof. which will be crazy for a couple seasons until, you know, things change, and as they always do. Carolina would never make the playoffs. But that's a, that's a geographically concise division as well. The Mideast Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Columbus, and Washington, and then the Northeast, New Jersey, the Islanders, the Rangers, and Boston. Did you just put Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Columbus, and Washington in the Middle East? Mid-East. Oh, Mid-East, okay. And then what was the last division? The Northeast. No, but the teams. Boston, New, New Jersey, York. New York Islanders, New York Rangers, and Boston. I like this better than the way yeah. it's currently set up. I, if for no other reason, then we're not going to see the same two teams playing in the first round of the playoffs every year because the second-place team and the third-place team plays each other from the same division every year. Like, I, I have said this before, and I'll say it again. I like the variety of if you are the number one seed, you're playing the worst team. If you're the number two seed, you're playing the seventh seed. Like, you, you build playoff rivalries that way, not based on just making the same two teams play each other every year. Toronto and Boston, as, as great of a first-round series as that's going to be, they shouldn't be playing in the first round of the playoffs. No, and, and you don't want to know that they're, that's going to happen. Like, we've known it since Thanksgiving. Yeah, and they have too. And it seems to maybe have affected Toronto a little bit. It doesn't seem to have affected Boston. They're actually not that far from running down Tampa Bay for first place at this point. But hmm. So what do you guys think of the uh, eight-division format? I like it. I, I, I think it's I, – I like the opportunity for still having the mix of you win your division but also being able to have a large number of teams that are just our wild card. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like – even though it hasn't really come back to bite them yet, I just don't like the potential for underwhelming teams to get in simply because they're in a bad division. It's one thing if the winner, okay, it's one team, worst case scenario, versus top three, where the third place team in, in one division can be 20 points below the third place team in another division. And again, it hasn't killed them yet, but that's an opportunity that can happen and probably will given enough seasons. Well, go ahead. Well, I'm just, I, I'll go back to the example that we're using. At, at the moment, Tampa's going to win the Atlantic probably, and then Boston and Toronto are the two and the three in that division. But those are the teams with the three best records in the Eastern Conference. So you, have the, you essentially have the two and the three in the East playing yeah. each other in the first round. Yeah. So it's getting to the point where it might come back to bite them. Now, I understand Washington's always good in the regular season, and Pittsburgh won the last two cups, so you can kind of cover it up right now. But if you just take all the teams out and you just go by points – you have the team with 96 points playing the team with 91 points in the first round while a team with 87 points is playing a wild card. That's not, that's not right. No, and when I, when I look at postseason formatting, I want to see the best teams play 
in the biggest matchups. I want to see the best teams. I want to see, hypothetically, the two best teams in the West meeting in the Western Conference Final. Yeah. Whether they earned it because of their regular season record or they earned it because they went on some incredible four-week run Mm -hmm. in the postseason. I don't want to see two of the best teams in the league out in round one simply because they had to play the two best teams in round one. And that's the the argument against that as well. You're getting a great first-round matchup. We get great first-round matchups every year. Like it's it, just because we but can't you, predict you, it two months ahead of time doesn't mean it's not going to be good. Getting good first-round matchups, but you run the risk of having poor second and third round. Exactly, matchups. and we have seen that in the past. We've seen a conference final that you're just like, all right, well, well this is I over. Mean, how many times we talk one year about we joke about the CNBC series, but where it was like Ottawa Islanders or something? We go, there's a clear path for this team to get to the Eastern Conference Final because they're going to face two nobodies. Yeah. It was last year. I mean, Ottawa yeah. did that last year. I don't want to. We talked about this ad nauseum last year. Like, I don't want to take away from what they did, but when the playoffs started, and it's yeah. almost unfair to a team like Washington, although they would have found a way to screw it up anyway, probably. But <laughs> you look at the path they have to go through, and the path Ottawa had to go through, and Washington had a much better record. And I just, if Washington played Ottawa in a seven-game series in the first round last year, first round emphasis on first round, are any of us really convinced Ottawa would have beat them? No. Second round, maybe, but I don't no. feel like you're sensitive enough to Washington fans. I just picked them game. to win a hypothetical first round series. What more against the fourth worst team in hockey this year? So <laughs> there, there's also the uh, the notion of maintaining division rivalries, which I, I get to an extent. There are it's a few of them that are it is because they, they've killed many of them. They they moved Detroit and Chicago out of the same division, and that was the best rivalry in the NHL. Yeah, nobody cares about opinion. the division rivalries anymore. Yeah, you know, I, don't, I don't think we should worry about and it. And you can anymore. create new rivalries. Why does it have to be division-based? Can, it can be during the regular season, yes. too. Fine, let's let's have Calgary and Edmonton in the same division. Yes. Let's, as I did, put the Blackhawks and Detroit in the same division and some of these other traditional rivals. But yeah. when it comes to the playoffs, stop worrying about that. Yeah. Worry about fair matchups. Yeah, like why can't Pittsburgh-Tampa Bay be the big rivalry? What's wrong with that? Just keep coming back to the example of Chicago and L.A. earlier this decade, how that became yeah. a great playoff rivalry, and you looked forward to watching that series every year, and they've never been in the same division. And now, since they've gone to this format, they've essentially killed any chance of that ever happening unless they meet in the Western Conference, Conference Final. Final. Which, it's going to be a while for both those teams. It would appear so, yes. <sighs> That's my contribution. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else does Craig have on this sheet? <laughs> Boy. Okay. Update on the uh, major NHL awards. Are we doing that? Is that a real thing? Uh, well, you know, maybe we don't have time for it. Maybe we should wait a week on that one. Sorry to tease you. We've all, got but a little bit could... of time. Let's let's at least do let's do the heart and the Vesna. I guess we've already touched on the the uh, Pacific race, which is insane, by the way. Spots two through four are separated by no points or like point five points or something. I have no idea what's happening in the Pacific. I have no idea what's happening in the wild card race in the Western Conference right now. But it's it's fun to watch. Yeah, I, I love. I, just, I don't think the Pacific's just very good. No. Quite, quite frankly. That's, and that's why Vegas could still make the conference final, and this yeah. season would be the, just the greatest success story in the history of expansion teams. Yeah, because, I mean, I look at this, they're going to have to go through one, for Vegas, they go through one of Colorado, Dallas, Anaheim, Calgary, St. Louis, round one. I don't think I like really any of those teams uh, to beat Vegas, and then San Jose, LA. I, just, I think they're just they're, they're on the other end of the, the curve now. Anaheim's like, the wild card, if they can get a wild card. Yeah. An- Anaheim would be the matchup I don't want if I'm Vegas. Yeah, I agree with that. Because I think that Anaheim is a, is a good team and if they can get healthy. Yeah, that's the, and, that's the worst matchup for any. Yes. I mean, if, if they play Nashville, I still don't think they're winning. But No, 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 but they're not going to play Nashville until the conference final. But Vegas, you mean? Yeah. yeah. But no, Vegas I'm, I'm talking about Anaheim. If, if Anaheim, Anaheim and Nashville, Nashville's still winning that series. But yeah. Anaheim's really the wild card you don't want to see. Yeah. Okay, awards. What do you want to start, Luke? Let's, uh, let, well, we've already talked about Calder. Calder. That's done. Done. Call the Calder. That's Barzal. Let's, let's go Vesna. Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm curious what you guys, because we can, we can talk about the Hart Trophy in a minute, but there are like 17 candidates. Yeah, yeah. everybody's good. <laughs> I mean, an optimistic like, outlook on the NHL this season by Jamie Eisner. He is Mr. Positive. Mr. Sunshine, as we call him around here. Oh, all the time. Is, is it? All right, somebody give me some goalies. Pecorino and Andre has to be in it, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, he's jumped into it. I, I mean, I, for for most of the season, I thought this was Vasilevsky's award, and he still may win it. But um, who's your third candidate? Mm, there's a bunch of them in the mix. Gibson has to be in yeah, there. I think we have talked about Gibson. has to be in there. Yeah, 
But it is pretty clearly a, a two-candidate race to actually win it, kind right? I think so at this point. That clicking you hear is me still trying to sort the NHL stats yeah. so I can... And look, it's, 19 clicks later, I've got it. Sergei Bobrovsky's tailed off just a little, a little bit, bit recently, yeah. but still a guy to consider. But I, yeah, of, of, of the guys in the, in, the, in the true mix right now, I would say th- those are the top two. It's got to come down to those two. Uh, and then, and what I'd go Rene. At, I mean, would you go Rene? Yeah, yeah I think it. I'm going Rene right now. I think Vasilevsky's really... It's a, I shouldn't say really fall off. Compared to how he pl- how lights out he was for the first 60 games of the year. Yeah, he slipped. He is slipping a bit. Yeah, I, I he's still extremely this, good, but he's slipping a bit. I think I gave this award to Vasilevsky two weeks ago. And I gave him the MVP changed. like a month ago when we when we did it. Rene started 52 games, and he still doesn't have double-digit regulation losses. Yeah. So I don't that's, know if there's that's another part stat. Of it. It's the team in front of him, too. So. Well, but so is Vasilevsky's mm-hmm. team. I mean, he, yep, he, those are the two best teams in hockey. So how do you decide then, I guess? Uh, well, that just comes down to your personal preference of which stats mean the most to you. Mm-hmm. And I know goalie stats in a lot of ways are antiquated, but having watched them both play, I just I feel like Vasilevsky has that cushion where he knows even if he gives up three goals most nights, he's going to win. Rene doesn't give up that many goals. He has a better defense in front of him, but it's not like Tampa Bay's defense is bad. No, I mean, that's that might be the second best blue line in hockey now with the addition of Brian McDonough, so... It's hard for me to look past the 2.25 goals against average in 52 starts. Yes. I talked to him yesterday, uh, and he, he talked about how much last year's playoff run helped him personally in terms of confidence to know that he can do that. And, he, and granted, Rene had his ups and downs in last year's yeah. postseason, if you remember. But he said it, it just changed his mindset coming into this season. He's just sort of more a positive and just brushed things off if, if he hits a, a little patch. And he's he's been incredible. I thought he was really sharp last night. He, he I thought again the Coyotes had more chances in that game than than the Predators did, but he was terrific. Just confidence wise, if there's a shot that gets redirected on him, he still stops it. If yeah. the puck's loose, he's not scrambling for it. He just pins it. Like it, it's just we saw it. We've seen it throughout his entire career. Like he's been one of the best goalies for the last ten years, um, outside of playing in Pittsburgh in the Cup last year, or I guess in Pittsburgh at all last season, but. He just he seems to have hit even another level, and maybe it is that confidence Craig's talking about where we all saw what he could do last year with their season on the line a lot, and he obviously saw it too. You combine that with the defense in front of him, and I just I, I don't know how you give it to anybody other than him at this point. Okay. Is that the end of the show? Well, no. I no, no. I felt, felt like you've just decided that award. Yeah, yeah. So I we just should move on. We're to you. I, we should be doing every topic like this. We're not going to do the selfie, are we? Usually you guys fight Patrice Bergeron yeah, it's, until it's, further it's notice. It's the Patrice Bergeron award. All right, let's go until comprehensively. Are we all in agreement that Jack Adams goes to Gerard Gallant still? Yes, okay, so that be. one's yes. done. Has to be. Who's the GM of the year? I still think Ray Shiro's in the mix on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Shiro might be. I'm trying to think who else. I'm trying to think who fits the formula. I don't Shiro. want to see George McPhee win this. No, he doesn't. No, I don't no, think no, no, he deserves to. It's got to be. Sh- I would take Shiro over him. Um, I mean, it's got to be a playoff team. <laughs> or you could just choose David Poyle again because he got you Kyle Turris yeah. to add to. Want another trade? He's so he just good. Keeps adding pieces yeah, every year. Eiserman went and got Ryan McDonough, and so those guys are in the mix. But I, I think I'd give it to Shiro. Shiro continues to build that team that was yeah. literally nothing yeah. when he first got there. And yes. whether they make the playoffs or not this year, that might determine whether or not he wins the award. But they are much better now than they were certainly two years ago, but even a year ago. And, look, he had the guts to take Heischer instead of Nolan Patrick, which right now looks like the smarter move. And Patrick was pretty widely considered true the number one pick. Yeah. I don't know if you count last year's draft as part of this year's GM of the Year well, award. I have no idea what they count as part of GM of the Year award. <laughs> All right. I think we can pretend all we want that it's a one-year award. It never is. Oh. Uh, Lady Bing? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> let's just do the Hart Trophy. All right. Let's just, that, clearly, that's all Craig wants to talk about. So, Craig, who is your Hart Trophy winner? Who is my winner you right guys, now? You guys aren't going to like my because answer. Because they're in the playoffs, I'm taking Nate McKinnon. He's my MVP. Colorado's in a playoffs. In fact, they're in the first wild card yeah. spot right now. I'm amazed that they are in that position after trading Matt Duchesne. And Nate McKinnon's been spectacular, averaging 1.37 points per game, which is the best in the NHL. He's the biggest reason for me. I don't know where this team is without him. They're they're god-awful without him. And you can say that about a bunch of teams. You can say it about Edmonton, but Edmonton's still god-awful. So (laughs) without Connor McDavid, where would they be? Well, they'd still be near the bottom of the Western Conference standings. They'd be picking 
first and getting Connor McDavid. I mean, there are a couple other players like that. Like, if you look at Kopitar's season, he's been spectacular. I think he belongs in there. And, and, I mean, L.A., especially when they didn't have Jeff Carter for much of the season, without Kopitar, they're right down there with Edmonton. So he's been incredible this season as well. But I'm still going with Nate McKinnon. As am I. If they drop out of the playoffs, are you guys not taking McKinnon? I'm not. It, it is that important to me. I okay. know some people don't think it should matter that much. It's also super close this year, too. It is. They're, I mean, these are razor-thin margins. So show me. Lift, elevate yeah. your team. Lift your team up. Be superhuman. Be the guy. And lift your team into the playoffs and when they're a questionable team. When we're looking at like him and let's say Kucherov, who's leading in points, I'm willing to overlook... This, and obviously there's a, there's a games played element to this too, but I'm willing to overlook the six, seven, or eight point deficit if you're able to take a team that nobody expected to as a center yes. and play a key role leading them to the postseason. Like I'm willing to overlook that point deficit. This is funny. We're getting back to where we were last year. Apparently goals mean more to me in the Hart Trophy race than maybe they should or certainly to a lot of people, but Kucherov wouldn't even be my second pick anymore. Malkin, no, Malkin's right second. there. Yeah. And if Colorado misses the playoffs, Malkin quietly has 40 goals, which is number three in the league. And 89 points, which is number two in the league. It is, yeah. He's he's on my list of three, I think. But um, I, 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 I really like center. the season that Kopitar's had. L.A., and when you look at, I, th- I just wrote this story on Kopitar, when you look at yeah. the disparity in points between him and the second player on the team, when I wrote the story, it was the second largest disparity in the NHL behind New Jersey, which yeah. is Taylor Hall to Nico Hischier. And a lot of people think Taylor Hall belongs in this mix, too. Where would New Jersey be without him? So that's, He's in the conversation. There are just, so just so many better candidates right now. But if, if, Kopitar, finishes, third. if Kopitar finishes 15 goals behind Malkin? Well, I mean, I... Because I, I, that's possible. I would say... Kopitar... I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it. Kopitar is more valuable to his team than Malkin is to his team. And I, I love I Evgeny Malkin. I don't disagree with, the, with that logic, but then the only... The only area where that becomes flawed is no team on a consistent winner could ever win the Hart Trophy. Right, and that's, it's, it has to be just one of the factors that you use in measuring. It can't be yeah. the sole one. But I would also say this about Kobitar. He's a Selkie Trophy candidate every yeah. year. He's a spectacular two-way player. And he's never going to win it. No, he's, no, exactly. no. he's never going to win it. But he's seventh in points right now. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, my top three right now is probably McKinnon, Malkin, Kobitar in that order. I would go. Nah, I I I'll, I can hear the argument on McKinnon. I don't have a problem with that. I would say right now I have McKinnon and Malkin tied. It is weird to not even have Kucherov in the top three after right. the way he started this year, but he has sort of trailed off. As, as odd as that is to say, because he's still having a great year. But uh, you factor that in with with the uh, the notion. <laughs> I'm that always going to default to center. It yeah. really would be weird just to have a ballot without Kucherov on the top it three. It's, yeah. It does feel weird, but yeah. He does lead the NHL in points, though, and he is on one of the two best teams. He he probably would still be my third, but you're right. Kopitar's, Kopitar's right there. Yeah. McDavid, I mean, McDavid's third in the NHL in points, and he has more goals this year than he had right. last year. Right. But His team's trash. Yeah. Yes, it is. Let's close this out by talking about Rick Tockett. Okay. Tough moment, obviously. He lost his mom, Norma, on Wednesday after a... A battle with brain cancer. His quotes yesterday, I don't know if you saw these, what he said. Yeah, first of all, I was I was amazed that Rick Tockett was back at work the day after his mom died. And, and as he said, look, I'm a, I'm a routine guy and she would have wanted it anyway. But to be able to gather yourself after you lose your mother, and, and he admitted, I'm a mama's boy. That was just astounding to me. He was behind the bench last night coaching the team. And that's, that's a tough comeback. Your thoughts? I love this quote that you tweeted yeah. out, and I don't have it in front of me, so I don't want to misrepresent it. But I'll read it in a minute. His, his quote on, on her view of his playing career was, was pretty amazing, honestly. I never deserved a penalty. I never had a bad game. It was always the coach's fault. I could do no wrong. In her eyes, I was like Gretzky and Lemieux put together. That's an incredible quote. <laughs> it, it really is. It's, that might be the quote of the year. <laughs> it's one of the best I've seen. Um, it's it's funny, the, you know, the way you just said it, thinking of Rick Tockett as a mama's boy because <laughs> he's one of the toughest players that, yeah, yeah, yeah. from his era and also this is the thing about Tockett you know you look at the Coyotes now and you, you look at that line with Nick Cousins and Jordan Martinook and Brad Richardson and everybody talks about how that's a that's a Rick Tockett line right there like you can see how that line came together under, on a team he coached but he scored a bunch of goals when he played too he wasn't just like Rick Tockett wasn't some fourth line grinder oh, no. no Tockett was a really good player yeah he was a uh, the prototypical power forward 
He's he's done a remarkable job with this team this season, and you're right. It is uh, in the second half of the season, certainly, and and sticking with what he believed his system was capable of in the first half when this team wasn't winning any games. So to your point on him being back coaching so quickly, it doesn't shock me. Like I hate when people criticize somebody for doing that because that's if that's the way he deals with stuff that's going on in his life, Absolutely. that's that's within him and his family, and he's been part of either playing or coaching hockey pretty much his entire life. Yeah. So let him do what he needs to do. I, I'm a writer, so I love anecdotes. It's one of my favorite parts of writing. And the, the anecdote he gave about playing junior hockey with Sault Ste. Marie when Terry Crisp was the coach was, was amazing what his mom used to do. He said she used to make the whole team veal sandwiches. She's Italian, of course, and Taka was raised in a, an Italian-eating family. He said, that used to get me on the power play, and that's what Terry Crisp always says. She'd be outside the bus with veal sandwiches and a bottle of wine to Terry Crisp. For some reason, I'd be on the power play the next day. <laughs> that's, awesome. that's, that's so good. That's pretty fantastic. That's so good. So heartfelt condolences to Rick Toggin and the entire family. That's, that's tough. But amazing to see him back and amazing to see what the Coyotes are doing right now. Yeah, and I think a lot of it really is his system, so credit to him. Uh, we're going to wrap it up. I will throw one. It's not a correction, but it's worth pointing out. Kopitar did win the Selkie two years ago. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. They gave him the uh, – that was the year Patrice was hurt. And remember, Kopitar didn't even show up. Yeah, because Probably because right. he just assumed Bergeron was going to win the Selkie like everybody else did. But he, he did actually win it two years ago. But uh, other than that, it's the Patrice Bergeron Award. All right. That's going to do it for us. We actually kept this podcast under an hour for the first time possibly in show history, except the two episodes Jamie deleted. Those were both perfect in every way. For Craig Morgan and Jamie Eisner – and you know what? Leftovers hasn't even been here, and I didn't realize it until right now. I, I, he's very forgettable. He's had a severe cough all day, so he didn't want to disrupt things, yeah, even said, though he does have a mic. So are we even rolling? I hope so. <laughs> okay. For Craig Morgan, Jamie Eisner, and possibly Leftovers, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.